Carol Fishman-Cohen, CEO of iRelaunch, and welcome to our podcast, 321 iRelaunch, where we talk about strategies, advice, and success stories on returning to work after a career break. Today, I am thrilled that we have with us one of the pioneering relaunchers who Vivian Rabin and I featured in Back on the Career Track, our book about returning to work after a career break. Her name is Dinny Stearns-Taylor. She is the retired chief technology officer at Williams College. She has an incredible story uh, beginning her career back in 1968 in teaching. Uh, she later took a 10-year career break and then career transitioned to uh, a technology career uh, by taking courses. And she'll tell us more about how that happened over time and her 17-year journey from her entry-level role at Williams College to the chief technology officer position, which she then held for 14 years before she retired. Welcome, Dinny. Thank you, Carol. Thank you so much for having me here today. Well, we're so excited because we don't often get to talk to pioneering relaunchers who went through the return to work process before many of us uh, were even thinking about it or even starting our careers in some cases. So I just wanted to know if we could start by walking through your career path, um, not in tremendous detail, but just kind of an overview of um, where you started and what year, and then what happened uh, between starting your career and let's say going to the very um, first position that you had at Williams College in uh, a technology role. Sure. Um, well, I graduated from college in 1968, which was kind of the beginning of the women's movement, and people going to work was a, a new kind of a new, you know, what kind of careers people were going to have was a new concept. A lot, many of my uh, fellow college students were getting married right after graduation, and it was kind of a new world. I went into teaching. Uh, for three years, and then we uh, was we were in living abroad for a year in Denmark, and then we came back, and I was pregnant with my first child, and it was a time when we moved to Williamstown, Williams College. My husband took a position here at Williams, and I had chosen to have a baby, and many of the women that I encountered, new faculty members. Uh, had chosen not to have babies, and it was kind of an interesting time because I, they actually looked at me with a fair amount of contempt that I had actually chosen to have a child instead of going pursuing a PhD and having a career. Um, during those first few years, I actually did work like a few hours a week just to get out of the house for $3 an hour for the psychology department. And then um, I had my uh, second child, and I started thinking about whether what that I might want to go back to work. I wasn't really sure, uh, but I had always I had a an interest in uh, computers. Well, not computers, that math, science. I'd been a science-oriented uh, person. I'd done a National Science Foundation Institute when I was in high school, and I was very interested in. Uh, looking at programming. I, at Connecticut College, where I went to school, they didn't even have a computer, but I had gone down to the Coast Guard Academy and tried to take a course. And I kind of knew that I might like this. So I decided 
that I would audit a course at Williams in computer programming. And I discovered that this was my true passion. And I didn't really want to go back to teaching. I Programming and the tech, just being able to think in that way was just so much fun. And I really liked it a lot. So I decided that uh, this was something I wanted to pursue. And after I'd taken a few courses at Williams along those lines, I went out to various companies. Uh, I went to Williams. I went to another Sprague Electric company nearby. I went to another company. I said, okay, if you are looking for someone to work in this area, what courses would you be looking for? What area would you be looking for? My brother, who's a computer scientist at SUNY Albany, was encouraging me, oh, get a PhD. But for me, one of the things that was most important was to be in Williamstown, stay near my kids, not commit to something that was going to take me anywhere else. So the first, I guess, lesson was, okay, what could I do locally? And by asking around what people wanted, that would be, you know, that was really helpful because then I took systems analysis and COBOL and different languages at the time, which were more business oriented. Uh, then we had a year in a sabbatical year in North Carolina, where I also took a programming course and then was able to work for one semester at UNC, um, again, part-time doing some SAS programming. So when I came back to Williamstown in, this, in the summer of 1983, um, I was, by this time, um, I was ready to look for real work and full-time work. And so I uh, applied for a, an opening at, at Williams, which was the, an introductory programming job. And I got that job. And my, so my children by this time were, I guess, second and sixth grade. So I'd had those 10, 11 years off, um, but now was thinking that I could work full time. I, it is, we do have the advantage. It's a small town, it's a small school. And so I was able to sort of manage both home, children and work because I could take time off to go to the dentist or I could take time off for a teacher conference. And my husband, who is a professor, worked mostly at home. So he was there in the afternoons when my children came home. But I was still mani managing the household and, and you know, keeping taking track of just about everything. Um, so I started in the programming, and it was really fun. I loved it. And then uh, a big project came along where we were going to start a new, you know, install a whole new system. And there were only there were four of us at the time. And I looked around, and, and nobody was stepping up to the plate. Nobody was leading this. Nobody was, you know, like was like scattered. So I just sort of naturally took on the project lead for that project. Um, because I, I realized that, well, I didn't even realize I could, I just did it. And in thinking back on it is when I, this is when I started my saying, um, that I've said for many, many years that motherhood is perfect project management training because <laughs> right. uh, you seriously, you have time management, you have, you know, communication, organization, and you're dealing with a lot of different personalities. Um, and I was actually just uh, visiting my daughter taking care of grandkids this last week and I was reminded yes mother definitely is project management skills right um, so when I went into I, I sort of fell into this role of 
being the project leader and taking on and, and managing these projects. And that was recognized. And that was my, you know, the, the person to whom I reported recognized that. And then, so he officially, after a few years, you know, a couple of years, made me the title project manager. And then the next, a few years later, I, this was in the administrative computing area, made me be the you know assistant director of, of administrative computing. Then he left, and I applied for the job of director and was able to get that job. So kind of as time went on, those those same skills that you know the time management, the communication, those skills began to fill in. I still had the technical skills, but I was able to use those new skills for these new positions. And then eventually, you know, we the, obviously the projects got more complicated. Uh, the whole systems got more complicated uh, over, over the years. And then eventually in 2000, when the chief technology officer um, job opened up, I applied for that and was able to do that. Uh, and then go more into strategic planning and overseeing. I had, I had a staff of about 42 people uh, in that area. So I, those, that's kind of the progression through. Wow. Yeah, that's an incredible story and incredible progression. Um, I just wanted to jump back and focus on a couple of points that you made along the way and just ask you to elaborate a little bit. So one of them was very early on uh, when you said you were asking some people in the local community or local businesses that you were starting to take these courses and which ones would be the most valuable. Can you just tell me a little bit more about those conversations? Were these people you knew or you introduced yourself and walked in and just had, like, how did that conversation happen? Were you able to get that specific advice? Uh, it was actually some of each. So at Williams, I knew people, but I, um, because my husband taught here, and but I went in and, and talked to them about what would be, what would be good for a Williams position but there was a the cause of the company Sprague Electric, which no longer exists, but was in North Adams. It was actually kind of funny because I I talked somebody into getting me in the door to go and talk to their IT department, and um, I went in and I'm like, okay, so what would I need to if I wanted to work here? And they're kind of looking at me like, well, uh, what do you who do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, thinking back on it, I was pretty presumptive that. Of course, I could work there, and of course, I could do that job. And almost, I think the person, one person, looked a little threatened by the fact that I, you know, had this. I did have confidence that I could, you know, do whatever they needed me to do and be able to go there. And then there was a third company too, where I, I contacted them and I went in and arranged to meet with someone to ask what skills they would be looking for if they were hiring. That's really important because some of us, when we're first starting out um, and we're getting in touch with people to have these conversations, it's really hard to figure out, well, what, what do you say um, if you run into them in person or you have a phone call or, you know, now, I'm sure this wasn't happening at the time, but now, of course, you would send them an email and right. what would that subject line look like? <laughs> right. And, that's true. And, uh, how, how would you ask? So that's really helpful. Um, the other piece I wanted to focus on it was, was the commute piece, because um, I remember when we interviewed you for the book and you reiterated a little bit here, and I wanted to know if you can go into some more detail, how important that commute piece 
was that there was essentially no commute and everything um, about your lives were sort of in, in this one area and that was one of the key factors. Yes, that was definitely a key factor to me, the fact that I wouldn't have, I would be close to home. Again, I was still basically, you know, managing managing the kids, managing the meals, managing almost everything at home. Um, and except for, thank goodness, the fact that my husband was home too. When the kids got off the bus, they were he was able to greet them and hang out with them and, and then let them do their thing while he was working upstairs. Uh, but he, the commute piece was very important to me. And the fact, I, I think that it made a huge difference. Even the they could come to my office if they had to. If my husband were not home or something, they could come and hang out there and do something in the other room. Um, so for me, proximity was very, very key. I didn't want, uh, both because I wanted to be available if there were an emergency or even, as I say, a teacher conference, something like that. And um, I didn't want to be so far away, it would be hard to get home. Let me ask you a little bit more about uh those early interviews for, you know, you had the one-year part-time programming job in North Carolina, and then you came back to Williamstown, and you had your very first um, a job that you applied for, and it was an, an entry-level uh, introductory uh, programming, it was an entry-level introductory programming role. Um, so my question is, was it just a posted job and you applied like anyone else or did you know someone and what did, what did that look like? And then can you also talk about as um, you advanced and you had applied for more jobs, did you, once you were in there at that introductory role, did you feel like you were completely back and not a relauncher anymore or were you still feeling a little bit like a fish out of water after the 10 year break? Uh, it's hard to remember exactly how all that came about. <laughs> I know. Uh, <clears throat> now, I, I think the job the job had been posted, um, but people at the Williams job, but people also did know me, and they knew I was interested. I mean, I knew some of the people who um, were, you know, in that that department at Williams, and they so they knew I was looking. I mean, I had been made it very clear I w wanted to come back, but also the job was posted. Um, there are actually a couple of jobs at the time here that I, I looked at, but then it was it became very clear to me that this was the one that I really wanted to do to do the programming. Um, I don't remember feeling like a fish out of water. I, I loved the job so much. I mean, it was just so fit for me to be able to do this that I felt very comfortable, I think, very quickly at it. Um, it obviously took some adjusting to, you know, managing everybody, managing the household and, and making those adjustments, but everybody in the family pulled through really well. And, you know, everybody, the kids and my husband, we all adjusted to it, I think, very quickly that this sort of new way things were going to be. Did you have a conversation with the family and say, you know, did they know right from the beginning um, that you were applying for jobs or did you tell them ahead of time, you know, I'm really thinking about going back to work and was that part of the family discussion or how how did it evolve at home actually my husband was very encouraging that that I should look into something to go back to work so I never really came to him and said I want to do this it just uh, the two of us together thought about it and um, it, it seemed it was something that 
I wanted to do, but we wanted me to do in a way. So it was a it was a very good thing that, uh, and and yet again, finding something that would be a good balance, and that was really important to both of us. And then when you were in the early days of interviewing, was there any focus on the fact that you had just come off of a ten year career break, and was th- that? A concern, or, or was it, it overlooked because you had the uh, technical background from the courses you had taken, and that's the only thing they cared about? I think it was more the latter. I think they knew that I had the skills. I'd taken the courses, and some of them had been at Williams, so Williams professors were recommending me, and also the the other local college um, where I'd taken a number of the courses. So I think they knew the technical. I had the technical skills, and that's really all they cared about. I mean, in technology, um, I mean, even now, if you take a break, you kind of have to retool and, you know, get up to speed again on what's current. Uh, so the the back uh, the having missed ten years really wasn't as important as having the skills that I had at the time. And then you talked about Dinny once you were on the job and working with this team of four people that there was an opportunity that sort of just presented itself and no one was really picking up the ball. So you decided to step forward and run with it. And do you believe that that? Um, skill and just and that um, uh, ambition that you had by by taking that step, uh, then immediately branded you as a leader and someone who they would tap for these new positions coming up. Or when they had a new opening, you you were in the running with a bunch of other people from outside the university and in other departments. I, I think that. Um at the beginning, well, at the beginning, I didn't even realize what was going on. And I, mean, I didn't realize how I was taking on the leadership. I was just sort of so natural. You just did it. I just right. did it. I mean, nobody said do this. I just did this. Um, so the first couple of promotions to project manager and associate director, they were, were not, um, there were no, there were, were not other people that were, that, were competing for those positions. When I applied for the position of director of administrative computing, that was there were a definite. There were, they did a national search, and there were other applicants. And the same thing for the chief technology officer. They did a search, uh, but I think early on, again, I fortunately had a, a supervisor who recognized my skills and appreciated them, and then worked to give me the promotions that would recognize those. I'm speaking with retired Chief Technology Officer of Williams College, Dinny Stearns-Taylor, a pioneering relauncher who returned to work back in 1983 after a 10-year career break. And not only did she relaunch her career, but she career transitioned, having started as a school teacher. So, Denny, I just wanted to talk to you now um, retrospectively, looking back on the career that you had, including the career break. Uh, are there uh, pieces of advice or certain themes that stood out that you feel are important for relaunchers to know who might just be starting to return to work today? I think one of the most important things is to recognize that when you relaunch, first of all, you have a long time you're still going to work, <laughs> and uh, you, you shouldn't think of it as a an, an, a career, a second half or an ending. I mean, really, you're going to be doing what you're doing for a long time, and I think it's an opportunity 
to um, really reevaluate what is your passion, what do you like to do, what's your interest, what will make your job really, really fun. And I think it's important, if you can, uh, financially, to take the time to find the right thing. Um, and I think part of doing that is, uh, I mean, kind of what I did, I took courses, I audited courses at the local college. Um, I think people don't realize sometimes that you can audit courses at universities and colleges pretty easily if you want to, if you talk to professors um, and you can find out if an area is of interest to you. Uh, and by doing that uh, or networking or going. So if you think you might want to do something in technology, go to a technology conference or an education conference or mix with people, go to a seminar. And really, if you try, make sure you find something that's going to interest you um, and then pursue that. And Part of it, looking at local universities, I think people forget that you can take courses and you uh, can train in those ways as well. In the in the technology area in particular, as I say, if you've taken a break, uh, you may need to retool some of your skills or update some of your skills because the, the industry changes so fast. So again, online courses now that we didn't have then, but uh, or taking courses in you know, in another area, or some of the internships. I, I was just looking at your Society of Women Engineers internships that you just came out, and it's fantastic that they are, you know, enabling people to do those those kinds of learning. So that would be my number one thing, was really find what you want to do, because this is, this you can do it for a long time, and then you won't have to retread again, but you can, um, you, you can have something that you really like. And I think that'll make it easier because even as your kids are getting older, as everybody knows, it doesn't, it just changes. It doesn't get less. <laughs> it's, right. um, it's just a, a different kind of interaction with them. Um, so I, I, those, that would be my first, in the, again, in the technology world, if you have the ability, you're going to be able to come up to speed in everything. Um, so it takes a certain kind of, ability and skill to be able to do that but if you have it you have it and you'll be able to come back and have the confidence that you'll again be able to come back to speed and the other thing i i, I think is to remember that maturity is good mm -hmm. and hiring you know people <laughs> right. people hiring um, people who have experience. So don't be embarrassed by the fact that you took time off. That's a good thing. And, you know, the, you have to, when you come back, you have added that not only the skills that you've gained in motherhood, which again, I think are really, really important, but also your, you know, the maturity you have, the way you look at the world, your uh, dedication to what you're doing, especially if it's something that you really enjoy doing. So I think those are the the two two or three things that I would say I've, as I look back on it that are would be really important as one is looking to go back to work. Thank you. Um, I have a question for you because uh, so many of us when we're relaunching careers feel a lack of confidence um, in part because we've become professionally disconnected the longer we've been on career break. But I'm 
hearing something very different from you um, when you were taking these courses, and maybe it was because you were connecting with something that was your real passion to begin with, um, whereas your first career was not. But when you were taking those entry-level courses, I hear a fearlessness uh, coming out <laughs> in terms of tackling this material. And I guess I just wanted to know, is that how you felt? And when you were taking any of these um, entry-level courses or, or um, the programming and the systems uh, analysis and the COBOL, did it all come naturally to you? Or were there points, difficult points along the way where you thought, wow, did I like get jump in here um, uh, quicker than I should have? Or, or were you fearless and did it just come along uh, unbelievably smoothly? I don't know if I was fearless or if I was naive. But, <laughs> uh, you know, looking back and, and now from my perspective now, I'm like, really, what was I thinking? But in a way, I think I did have the confidence that if I were able to get these skills that I would be able to find something that may be harder now, actually. I mean, you know, this was, now we don't have introductory programming jobs for even at Williams College or most places. I mean, it's harder, I think, in some ways. I mean, these days, the intern programs, the temp programs probably are are more likely than, than having a, an intro position. But I think really, I think I, I naively was pretty confident that something would work out for me. That's great to hear. It's pretty unusual. Um, you mentioned the STEM Reentry Task Force Society of Women Engineers uh, initiative that we are working on at iRelaunch. And the timeliness of our conversation is such that yesterday we released a white paper, the Society of Women Engineers re released a white paper about the first year of this program uh, and how many interns are involved and what the conversion rates have been uh, from intern to full-time employee. Uh, and these are paid programs that are nine weeks to six months long at uh, Fortune 500 companies, in many cases, Fortune 100 companies. And it's been a very exciting new way for companies um, in the tech sector to engage with returning professionals. So, you know, as you're saying, this, this is something new. It didn't exist, of course, when you were leading the way for all of us um, <laughs> back in the early 80s. But um, it does, it is an indication of how far things have come. Right. I think also, well, also there are more women in technology now than there were then. But yeah, I was reading that white paper this morning because LinkedIn alerted me to it. Oh, and um, it was pretty, it's it's really amazing. And and, uh, and the success rate is really very, very high. And uh, yeah, back then, I mean, I was always a little bit ahead in terms of each level position I had, mostly everyone else was male. And then I'd move to the next position and, you know, females would be filling in. And then I, the next position, it would be mostly male. And the one of the things that heartens me so much these days is that there are not, there are more, although still not enough, women in technology, um, but also the programs like this, which is encouraging women to enter that field because it's great. I mean, it's a wonderful field. Yes. Well, um, we're heading into the end of our podcast, and I wanted to wrap up with the way that we always wrap up our podcast, which is to ask you uh, for one piece of advice to relaunchers, even if it's something that you've already said uh, during our conversation. Well, again, I think the key thing to me is take the time to find the right thing, find what you really, really want to do, and it's going to be, you're going to have a long career ahead of you as still, 
and to look around, take courses or seminars or whatever you can to really have a sense of what you want to do. Because if you really love your work, it's going to be a much easier thing to be able to manage everything because you're still going to have to manage a lot at home. We all know that. Um, And I, I think that would be my one word of advice. Find the right thing. Thank you, Denny Stearns Taylor. It has been so wonderful to have you uh, on our podcast and we honor you as a pioneering relauncher for uh, leading the way for the rest of us. Well, it's been my pleasure. And I've said this before that I think the whole iRelaunch program is just amazing. I look back on this, you know, the book, the Back on Career Track book, what, 10 years ago, and what every, what you guys have done since then and really moved with the times. I, I admire you, and it's, it's been quite wonderful to watch over these years. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you've been listening to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast of iRelaunch.com. This is Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO of iRelaunch. And please make sure that you take a look at the tools and resources, success stories, advice, and events that we have for you on the iRelaunch.com website. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.